We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to talk Sabres hockey. Let's get the inside story. Here's Sabres head coach, Don Granado. The Don Granado Show is being brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. By Losi and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. And by Town Auto Group. Check out Town Auto Group's lineup of EVs. Now with head coach Don Granado, here's Howard Simon and Jeremy White. Let's get right to the Western Hotline. Mr. Granado is standing by. The Sabres trying to catch their breath. Mm-hmm are back in action tomorrow night against Carolina. And we say good morning to Don. It is Howard and Jeremy. Mr. Granado, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Good morning. Don, you play tomorrow night against Carolina. I was just checking the standings and the schedule, and Pittsburgh doesn't play between now and then. So at the end of your next game, the possibility exists you could be in a playoff <laughs> spot. And I know you've said to us, small picture, you just got to keep winning games. But... <laughs> I mean, does that get me- hey. does that get mentioned? Will you will you will you will you do anything with that? I hate to break your heart. But <laughs> I knew it. But the, o- the only way to be in a playoff spot is after the eighty second game of the year. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we we have lots more work to do, and we're going to keep doing it. The only thing we have in control of, as I keep saying, is tomorrow or uh, tomorrow's game against Carolina, and uh, we'll stay very very focused on that. Um, and uh, do our best to take care of that as we should. Can't blame us. It's your fault. You guys keep winning <laughs> games. We start scoreboard watching and thinking about playoffs. Hey, that that stuff is all exciting for you. We got to stay on t- task at hand. So, but uh, but I love it. I love the excitement about it. It's 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 you know when you get your we we love what we do. The players do. I do as coaches. The coaching staff. So. When people get excited, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, you guys and, and I have talked a long time, and you, you know that from my end. Uh, but our job is – that's not our job. Our job is to stay completely focused uh, and in the moment, and we will do that. How about when you're watching – you know, you're watching video of the team, and a game like Minnesota the other night, you guys uh, get one of the two points, close out a great road trip. But there's stretches in that game where – I don't know. It just looked like the team had so much jump, and they're so dominant. And then the Winnipeg game had that as well. Do you, do you find yourself looking at the way that things are going now and thinking about how far things have come so far this season? And you know, in, in your time as the head coach, uh, you do. But I, or I should say, I do. And the coaches, we talk about it, um, and it's important to do that just to gauge. You know, you you chart and plot in your mind and, and, you know, where you can be in a week from now and a month from now. So you, you, you know, then you return and measure it. Um, but the exciting thing for me and the drive for me is better, better. You know, we, we, we went young for a reason. Uh, we're one of, you know, we were, our intent was to be one of the youngest teams in the league. We are the youngest team in the league, uh, but we wanted to be young be, because the young players have such a high ceiling 
uh, is number one. Um, you don't need a lot of uh, older guys. You need the right older guys, and we have the right older guys. And sometimes too many older guys is too many cooks in the kitchen, too. And, and so we have the right older guys. We have the balance that we know we can take this young group and they can just keep getting better and better and better because their ceilings are high. And, and that, is, that is exciting. That's always been the drive for me. Um, and I've said from day one, you will, I'm, not, I, I, I'm interested in winning mostly to win more. And to win more down in the future is the goal. Uh, yeah, we're not going to sell everything to win one game, um, but we want to win more. And, and to do that, you just keep getting better and better. At some point, I've mentioned lots of times, you break through that threshold where everything that was difficult becomes easy. And, you know, we're not there yet, but we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. And we just got to keep moving in that direction. By the way, breaking news, the sun is out this morning, in case you're wondering what that bright light is outside. Don, you, you mentioned focus. I did. I want to follow up on that because I was curious, as your team, you know, started winning more games and, you know, is in the playoff chase and all that stuff, we're scoreboard watching. And, that, and I was wondering how the team was going to handle the pressure of being in this situation. But let me take out pressure and ask you about their focus. Most of that young team has not been in this position at this point of the season, you know, right there in the playoff race. How are they at maintaining the game-to-game focus and maybe not doing what we're doing and what fans are doing and scoreboard watching and games in hand and all this bigger picture stuff? Uh, they're, they're excited to play hockey. They, we, we want them to identify with opportunity, not fear of failure and, uh, doubt and you know how I mean sports media life there's there's always people planting negative seeds and doubt uh, and you know if you if you bite on those it can take you right off your your, your focus but uh, our guys get excited for opportunity we've tried to identify with that uh, and and let that be the most powerful influence uh, we have had bouts of confidence I mean everybody does uh, um, doubt through the course of the season. And, and, and again, you know, if you think of just, uh, you know, everybody has concerns with younger players, you know, personally I've, I've experienced the, the, there's, there's great impact and positive impact of veteran players and experience, but there's not a veteran player in this league that hasn't lost more than he's won than not won a Stanley cup more than they've won a Stanley cup. So you got to be very cognizant that, you know, older players, and, and even as we get older in life, you're 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 more you, you can identify with more ways that car can crash than maybe a younger guy, and that means you can fear faster within a game or within the context of, of situations. And there's a beauty to, to young guys that just have have you know this this belief system that uh, is limitless. Uh, as long as we can supply them the right direction. And, again, I point to our older guys when I say this because, you know, Kyle Ocposo, Craig Anderson, Zemgis Gergensens, uh, they're pretty amazing um, to have the experience they have. And, unfortunate, you know, they've gone through more, more hardship than, than success, uh, as every player their age has in the NHL. Uh, but they approach it with lots of confidence and conviction um, towards success again. 
I'm curious, you know, your your team just completed a pretty hellacious stretch of hockey. 13 games in 22 days. You went 7-4 and 2. Uh the tail end of that stretch included a four-game and six-night road trip including three games against the top 3 teams in the Central Division. You go 3-0 and 1. Did you learn anything new about your team through this stretch or were you could you as a staff be impressed with how they persevered in that stretch? Yeah, I, I absolutely am impressed with our guys. Um, their their love of what they do, their passion for what they do, how hard they work. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's impressive. Uh, they're impressive, and, and you know they they um, they deserve that respect from us because we push them. I mean, I, it's, these, these days aren't easy. I can tell you this. You know, I, I, I um, you, you know, you, you're not going to see behind behind the scenes and, and how hard we drive these guys, uh, but we also have to return the appreciation. Uh, and they're they're good guys. They care about Buffalo. Uh, they love being here, and and they work for us. So, um, but yes, they, they're very impressive the way they they the passion to play. Um, and they just keep getting better, which is which is a lot of fun to see. You know, you play Carolina tomorrow night, and then you've got the All Star break and the bye week, so you have a little time off here, uh, ten days between games. Are you glad it's coming? That is coming right now for your team. You're not overly banged up, you know. Uh, Cousin Samuelson will ask you about him and Thompson too. But are you glad where this is falling? Do you need a nice break? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. You don't process that way. You just sort of you're. You're at the mercy of a schedule, and you just take it. And every everything is good. You try to make everything good. So, mm-hmm. you know, 13 games in 20 days. Okay, how can we make this good? Well, it's going to help us. The grind that we just went through is going to help us uh, in in area A, B, C, D. And you identify it, and you get excited about that. So now we have the break, and yeah, it's it's going to help us just take a breather. Um, and we're going to come back and then you know, obviously be, be fresher than we were. And, and we'll look at, okay, what can we do with this uh, now that we're fresher? We have a couple practices before we play the first game coming back. I think it's against Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll just approach it a little differently based on uh, those circumstances. And uh, again, our guys have, have done a great job of just acclimating to whatever the situation dictates or circumstance dictate. Uh, and we'll continue to, continue to do the same. By the way, please promise us during the break, you're not sitting home watching center ice. <laughs> well, there's no there's no NHL games, but I got a lot on video. So, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, well, the, the, the nice thing is it's my passion, so I will absolutely watch some, but not as much as I All do right. here. I'll, I'll take a break and uh, and try to relax a bit myself. I mean, during your bye week, I mean, you're going you're going to be in at, at Amherst games during the bye week. I know this is going to be happening. Um, let's see what's next injuries. Let's, let's do that. Let's get the business out of the way. So Tage Thompson did not practice yesterday. You're listing him as day to day at this point. Anything uh, we should be worried about? Well, here's the first thing I will say about injuries. I'm not the doctor and I'm not a doctor. So when you ask me about systems and day to day, what, what this can happen in a day, that can happen today. I can tell you with a hundred percent confidence when, I when we're dealing with doctors in in you know areas of inflammation and we need to see what the player feels like the next day and what you know what transpires that is that is a real challenge for me so um but yes the three guys that we've had that were taking a cautious approach based on the circumstance based on our schedule uh we held out 
uh, the lineup the other night, Cousins and Samuelson. Uh, and I say we, you know, Kevin and I obviously talk about this in the coaching staff. Uh, and we talk to the players as well and, and just get a gauge where they're at. Um, we sat those two out. Those two were full practice yesterday. Uh, we held Thompson out of practice yesterday. Uh, and we're going to see with, with something nagging. And we're going to see where that is today and make a decision based on how he presents this morning. Um, so that day-to-day is every day is new information uh, based on yesterday's information Yes, he, he's in a day-to-day scenario, and um, I expect him on the ice today, and that's the hope. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see how comfortable I am with that based on how he presents this morning. Before I let you go, there are a few guys I want to ask you about. One is Jack Quinn. The, the play he made the other night in Minnesota, not just the goal, but the whole play, beginning with, I think, him picking off that pass along the boards and then the moves he did and cur- coming back out and curling and all that and then finishing the play. What are you thinking on the bench as that play is going on? What was the reaction on the bench when he finished it? I was pretty happy for him. He, he's, a, you know, he's a pretty slight guy, and as we're, we're trying to prevent wear, physical wear and tear on him uh, until he can, you know, as a young guy, he's going to put on more strength and more weight and you know, the, the stuff that he doesn't have, you know, quite enough of today to go through the grind. So, you know, we've we've insulated him as much as we can so we see that high-level skill more. Uh, and so when you when you watch him do that, it's, it's not only a glimpse into the future, but it's also uh, nice to see because of the work he puts in uh, that he's getting rewarded like that. And obviously the team, his teammates respond to that because – you know, the character guy he is. They know they see him work every day. And, and uh, to, to score kind of a highlight real goal like that is, is, is a lot of fun for everybody. Owen Power, wanted to ask you a little bit about him. Of course, he had a, the trip with the, the goals in the three straight games. But, you know, for years, Don, we, we, we've had coaches on. We always were told how, as a young defenseman, that might be the toughest thing you have as opposed to a young goalie or a young forward. Being a young defenseman in the NHL is incredibly challenging. And yet, he's 20 and he looks like a steady veteran. Um, How surprised are you that he plays with such a sense of poise, a sense of calm, and the decision-making and everything he does for a kid at that position at that age with you know, X number of games on his resume at this point? Well, I'm not surprised. I've watched him at a very young age. And, you know, as you, as you started with the question, you, you, you mentioned a lot of negatives, uh, a lot of things. You, you can't do this because you're 20. You can't mm-hmm. do this because you can't do this because you're a rookie. Uh, we don't, we don't want to operate at that. I don't want to tell a guy he can't do something because he's 20, because he's a rookie, because he doesn't have experience. Um, I don't want all those negatives in, in somebody's mind. So, you know, I don't judge him as a rookie. I don't look at him as a rookie, uh, and I don't treat him as such. I treat him as an NHL player, uh, a competent NHL player, and and obviously we see that he, he is. Um, you know, he makes mistakes. When he makes them, we don't say he made a mistake because he's 20 years old because I can find you on video the exact same mistake that a 30-year-old guy made. And you, you, you know, we've – the three of us have talked about that over the last couple of years here. So, yeah, we, we treat him um, how he wants to be treated. He's an NHL player, and he's a competent NHL player. So 
you know, we our job is to put him in scenarios, that, situations that he can succeed, support him as much as he can. Um, and the beauty of it is he has a higher ceiling than most players in the NHL. Um, that's the bonus of it all uh, to add to it. Peyton Krebs, one of the other guys I want to ask you about, Don, and, um, you know, he's been he's played much better since you put him on the line with Oposo and Gergensons, and they seem to mesh very well. Why? What, what do you think is – what's – going on there with those three guys and why they seem to work so well together? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind, there's lots of things, but the very first thing that comes to mind as you ask the question is mentorship of Kyle Ocposo and Zemgis Gergensis. The, the, you know, Krebs and others uh, look up to those guys for the right reasons. Uh, so when you put them in between those two, you get a guy that's excited immediately uh, and then a guy that can that can watch and listen and and thrive. And they have a, what makes those two guys special is they can look at Peyton Krebs and say, you know, uh, there's things that, that this kid can do that we can't, and they get excited about that. So it's there's a there's a reciprocal respect uh, that you don't get sometimes out of some older players. That sometimes they're grumpy and so you, they just identify with maybe what the kid needs to learn. Uh, but in this case, I, I think you have the opposite. And that's why those two guys are so special for us because they have really uh, helped. And I think Krebsy's helped them and, 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 and due respect for, for Peyton uh, to become a very good and effective line for us. The last guy I want to ask you about is your goal is UPL. I was going to say your goalie, but you got three of them. Um, if you could just talk, a, I mean, he has clearly um, taking a stranglehold there. He's taken the number one job. He's run with it. He's playing his best hockey as a Buffalo Sabre. Why? And and what are you seeing from him now that he's in such a really good rhythm for a goalie? Well, to clarify, I do think he's your goalie because you keep asking about him. So he's <laughs> definitely your goalie. Uh, we have three goalies, yes. But, uh, no, he, he's uh, all kidding aside. He, he just progress. And he's another guy, as I talked to Owen, we, we – we did our best to keep negative out of his mind. You can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You need, you got a lot to learn. How about let's just focus on what you are doing and what you're doing really well and build from there. And, and he's embraced that. Um, he, he struggled a little bit when he came up from Rochester, but that's in my mind, that's expected the timing of shots and the shooters. I mean, you go from the American league to all of a sudden you're facing you know, Ovechkin and, and, and Crosby and Melkin, and, and you, you need some time to literally recalibrate. I mean, the, the shots are coming at different velocity, different angles, uh, with different intelligence from, from players. So uh, he went through that phase uh, of a couple of weeks, and, and we had to, you know, stave off all the, all the negative that was, you know, the overassessment of him, and he just stayed very within himself and very focused, and that was impressive to watch. Um, and again, another guy that has, you know, his ceiling is, is really high. Uh, there's a lot that he's still going to learn and develop. Uh, but to this point, he, he's kind of settled in that, okay, um, you know, I can, I, I, here's my strengths and here's how I use them within the game. And uh, he's developing more sense and feel for how we play as a team, but how the, how the league is in players, in the top players within the league. Uh, shooting, shooting tendencies, you know, rush tendencies. Uh, and, it, and it's really uh, been, been fun to watch him grow so fast. I think he had a foundation under him 
that you know you don't really know and you can't quantify until this point. But he's it shows that he's put a lot of work in over the last couple of years, really. Well, good luck tomorrow night, and uh, as always, thank you very much for the time and enjoy a little time off. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Don. Don Granado, Sabres coach with us on the Western Hotline, and his segment here on WGR was brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth by Losi and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western Yorkers, and by Town Auto Group. For an electrifying performance, check out Town Auto Group's lineup of EVs. So you let me know if I'm doing something that is stupid right now. Oh, I love this setup. Okay. The NHL standings page. That's just stupid. If the Sabres get a point tomorrow, yeah, not win, but a point, okay, they will tie Pittsburgh on points. Right. They will have more wins, but Pittsburgh will have played fewer games. But I think that would put the Sabres ahead of the Penguins because the first thing you would list would be wins on a Is tie in points. Wins or regulation overtime wins or just it doesn't. Just they wins. have more wins. Period. All Regulation right. overtime wins comes after wins, I believe. Okay. I, I don't remember. And I haven't Sabres, had to remember the tiebreakers for playoffs in a while. And the Sabres have more regulation and overtime wins than the Penguins do good. as well. All right. Very good. So I just I think if they get a point, they again, they'll each have 57. Mm-hmm. Would the Sabres be listed ahead of the Penguins? Or the Penguins? Is it, be, is it a points percentage thing when there's an it, uneven well, games played? If it's that, then it's Pittsburgh because they have a game in hand. Yeah. You're asking me a question we haven't had to discuss in 10 years. I know. I'm asking if it's stupid to be... I'm looking at It's the, not stupid to be doing this, But I'm this, looking no. at the standings trying to figure out... How to right, get in. Is there another pair of teams tied on points where one team has played one less game, so who gets listed on top? And I have not yet found that. When would be the last time, say, after the month of October, the Sabres would have been above the cut line in the NHL standings? Okay, I have an answer for you here. Go ahead. The Devil, if I go to league standings fully, mm-hmm. yeah. the Devils have 60, no, right, never Six. mind. The Here we go. Tampa has 65. Yeah. Winnipeg has 65. Right. They're also tied on wins, so I, I can't use that one. That goes to point percentage, the team that has played fewer games. All right. Um, <laughs> just, Is there a neutral site game in Atlanta coming here at some point that you're going to discuss with me? No. All right. Rangers sixty two, Vegas sixty two. Right. How, what's the, how is the tie broken? You're determining that, I assume. For the Rangers, it's point percentage. They've played two fewer games. Got it. But they don't have more wins. <laughs> this is fun to watch. Live. I, I want to know in if real time are they going to be in a playoff spot or not with one point. I mean, it sounds good. I'm sure. At, listening wherever you are. Oh, but I don't to think be it in does. The, I don't no, think it no, does I'm, that. But to be in the studio. Watching him across the table in real time, this is really a very. There's no. I'm, I just. I got to know. Are there well, any teams? We got a break. You have the whole break to think this over. <sighs> and guess what? Guess what? If the Sabers make the playoffs, we get back to complaining about the playoff format again, which is still really stupid. It's terrible. Yes, it is. And we never really worried about it for a long time. Ottawa and St. Louis tied on points, tied on wins. Fewer games gets listed ahead. It's oh, not, because that's, that's not the scenario. Yeah, the Sabers would have more wins. In fewer games. This is why Don Granato said just wait till the after the 82nd <laughs> game is played. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, they're, they're excited to play hockey. They, we, we want them to identify with opportunity, not fear of failure and uh, doubt and you know how I mean sports media life there's there's always people planting negative seeds and doubt you know if you if you bite on those it can take you right off your your, your focus but uh, our guys get excited for opportunity we've tried to identify with that and and let that be the most powerful influence Sivers head coach Don Granado have a few answers for you here the Sabers win tomorrow against Carolina. Carolina plays tonight, by the way, against – I had it here. They play tonight against the Kings at home. Then they're here tomorrow, and tomorrow is a TNT game. Ah, so That's why it's a 7.30. TNT, 7.30. The Sabres win. They will be in a playoff spot. They would need to win. Number one on the rankings in the NHL standings is point percentage. I didn't look up general tiebreaker because I was kind of like – when we asked Don Granado about being in a playoff spot, he said the only way you can be in a playoff spot is if you are after 82 games, which is, of course, a very good answer. Yes. I like that answer. And I didn't bother looking up because I thought, well, in season, and I don't know why I thought it would be different. Anyway, if the Sabres win in regulation, they would jump the Penguins. If they get one point, they would stay behind the Penguins just on point percentage because Pittsburgh would have a game in hand. They could chase down Washington. Right. And if they did chase down Washington, the Sabres, and finish seventh, which is not crazy. They're two back of Washington with three in hand. Yep, That would mean Carolina in the first round. So, tomorrow night, uh, playoff preview. When, and revenge series. Finally getting from seven, really Okay. Yeah. I was going to say. we waiting uh, a long time for this one. Hasn't it, like, aren't they on some crazy drought in terms of last time they won in Raleigh? Oh, that's a, I don't know about that. I feel that. like that's one of those buildings they... Carolina, Tampa, they went through one. And, well, Western Conference ones are not the same. Like, they just won in St. Louis for the first time since 2009. But it was probably less than 10 visits. But I think, I don't know, it feels like they haven't won very much in Carolina over the years. Ooh, they have one win in Carolina since 2016. Yeah, it's not a lot. Um, Hey, the one thing that's true is to keep, you know, there's two things to keep in mind about Washington. Uh, actually, there's one. The Sabres do have a better points percentage than the Capitals, and they do have three games in hand. And I was just checking the schedule. We're doing things. I'm sorry. I, have to, I haven't done this in 10 years. I have to brush up on all this stuff again. Uh, Washington, Sabres have three games in hand, right? So the Sabres play tomorrow against Carolina. The Caps play tonight in Columbus. They should win. Everybody beats Columbus. Because Columbus is the worst team in the league. And then the Caps are on the same schedule the Sabres have. The Caps have everybody's got the All Star break, but then come out of the All Star break, the Sabres are on their bye. So are the Caps. Caps don't play again till February 11th. Sabres don't play again till February 11th. So that three games in hand thing will not change. They will still have three games in hand on Washington coming out of their break when they play Calgary on February 11th. So you know you're at worst you'd be four points back of the Capitals with three games in hand coming out of the break um, because Washington should probably beat Columbus tomorrow night. Or the, tonight, I'm sorry. The Bo Horvat trade. So the Islanders trade for Bo Horvat. They're just behind the Sabres. Yep. He's a great player, no doubt about it. 
The first-round draft pick this year is top 12 lottery protected. Right. So if the Islanders miss the playoffs and move into the top 12 in any way, then they would keep the pick and it would go to next year where it is unprotected. Correct. Look, I think it's a nice pickup. The Islanders need offensive help. They need somebody. And this kid, I can say kid, right? He's still much younger than me. This guy's having a career year. You know, his goals expl- well really exploded last year. He had a career-high 31 in 70 games. He's at 31 now. So he helps their goal scoring. He'll help their power play. He'll help them down the middle of the ice. I think it's a, you know, Bovillier. Okay, whatever. I don't know enough about the other guy they gave up, and you just went through the first-round pick. So it, it can amount to be a rental because Horvat is unrestricted, but they need desperately help on offense. They need to score more goals. And I think it's a good trade for the Islanders if you know, you're trying to beat out the Sabres, the Penguins, Caps. They needed to add a guy like that. Vancouver, of course, doesn't mind parting since they're transitioning over in Vancouver. So I like the trade from the Islanders' standpoint. It's probably only a good trade if you're going to sign him, though. But, but I mean, the, a the, rental the thing for you'd a, give, it's the first-round pick. You'd basically it, be losing a first-round pick for a rental. Potentially an unprotected first-round pick. Maybe Lamorello's confident he can sign him. I have no idea. Um, you know, maybe he had a conversation with Horvat's agent before mm-hmm. they finalized the trade. Do you which think I think would be illegal? But whatever. Does it? Well, the Canucks would give permission. Yeah. Do you have any sort of Kevin Adams sees this and should react scenario? No. no. Not any more aggressively than before. No. Yeah. Kevin Adams should do it. And I'm I'm Kevin Adams can and will with my blessing make the team better, but not because oh my God the Islanders got Bo Horvat. Okay, whatever. I mean, I think it's a nice addition for the Islanders, but I don't think the, the Sabres GM all of it, a sudden has to ratchet up the uh, you know the calls to other GMs because New York made a move. Yeah, I don't know. It comes down to if they could sign him. And the, the Islanders might not know, and the Sabres might not know. be interested to know what the exact price would have been for Horvat to come here. Mm-hmm. And if you, would, if you could know they could sign him, then the price would be worth it. I'd be willing... Unprotected first round pick. Let, let's let's just throw that out there. The exact same draft picks the Islanders just gave up, which is it's only one first this year. If it's in the top twelve, they get to keep it. Mm-hmm. Are the Sabers picking in the top twelve? Not at this rate. At this rate, they will not be. Right. So I would give up a mid first round yeah, pick. Fine. If I knew I'm keeping Horvat, and next year unprotected, do the Sabers strike you as a team that next year They're not supposed to be has to portion. worry about a, a draft pick being unprotected? No. We're all going to expect if they don't make it this year, we're all going to I am. They're going to be in the playoffs next year. They should continue to they They're have going up. Right. A lot of teams like to just say everything's going great, they can only get better, but the Sabres really do look like a team that is consistently on the upswing. Mm-hmm. There was a piece yesterday down goes down goes Brown Sean McIndoe wrote about getting America to root for the Sabres and his point was it's been a long time. The Heat, five of the things. Been a long time. Their fans have been through a lot. And <laughs> now's the time because they're about to be good probably for a long time. So get on the bandwagon now while you can before they're annoying. <laughs> that was, really? It's kind before, of I feel like we're a long ways away to get to the annoying standpoint. Well. Have the Sabres ever been annoying? Maybe they angered people with tanking. Yeah. I, um, you know, yeah. Get there now and. They're identifying their young core pieces and they're putting them into long-term contracts. I, I wonder how willing they are. This goes for a Horvat deal, and this goes for Timo Meyer as well. Are they willing to just bring in somebody from the outside? Now, I brought this up with Paul. Paul yeah, I remember, yeah like, right. Are they just willing to say, yeah, hey guys, uh, this is Bo. He now makes $9 million. Mm-hmm. That should be how things work. Yes. But 
there had been Sabres teams in the past where we heard that that was a problem. Uh-huh. Somebody came in from the outside. Maybe that's the Leno deal, the Airhoff deal, whatever. Right. I don't know. It's it's the kind of thing that I sometimes wonder, especially with young teams. Are they willing to just, hey, he hasn't been here through it with us, but we we know the kind of guy he is. We feel good about that money going to him. I would say yes. I would say also that as much as we've heard from the coach and the GM about how they've put together the roster and the culture and the characteristics and the personalities and that they just want to win and all that, then you'd like to believe there wouldn't be resentment in the room if Timo Meyer comes in and shortly thereafter is made the highest paid player on the Sabres and the Sabres are looking around going, hey, wow, we're a much better hockey team now. Yeah. And he would I would only, like to believe there would not be resentment on the contract. And he wouldn't be the highest paid player for the duration of his contract. He'll be passed. Yeah, you know, well, Darlene, Darlene, will, Darlene pass will pass him. him. Yeah. Although he's not an all-star. So I, I'm just, not, I, don't, I don't understand. You, you're talking about giving a $10 million contract out to a guy that's not even an all-star? In what world is Roger Saffold going to a Pro Bowl <laughs> and that Rasmus Dahlin is not an all-star? One other thing, which I didn't realize, you and Joe were texting each other, right? We got a group, I got a group te- There are no defensemen on the Atlantic Division roster in the all-star game. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's an all-star game. Who cares? No, nobody's playing defense, but isn't that kind of odd? There's not a single defenseman in the division worthy it, of being in the all-star game. It's wild. Not one. The NHL wants to make sure that every team has a player, but not that every position is represented. Let, let alone, there are obviously quality defensemen in the division who are yes. worthy of an all-star. Person. Yes, Rasmus Stalin, of Him course. Him being one, just one. to be close to home, sure. Yeah, um, I'm sure Gary Bettman says that the fans love it, right? Our fans love that there are no defensemen in this All-Star game. Yeah. It's the number of times... I, I know, I'm sorry, we got to get the break. Does he actually talk to fans? Do you think he actually talks to fans? And, and I'm not sure how many commissioners do. It's, it's a, I'm going to answer my own question. No, I don't think so. Like, how many times commissioners, and him in particular, he does that a lot. He, he will oftentimes tell reporters answering a question where you bring up something that really isn't a good idea for the NHL playoff format whatever the case may be many times you will say well you know our fans love it where's he getting that info from his script it's like the commissioner we goes to other buildings does he sit and talk to fans hey hey Joe there in section 105 does he just walk down to section 105 and go show of hands who likes our playoff format right now yeah, he just says, our fans love it. Based on what? Is Batman getting tweets from hockey fans going, hey, I love the fact that you're going to play two of the top teams in the league are going to face each other in the first round of your playoffs because you people wanted division rivalries in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he talks to fans. Yeah, by the end of the season, it's possible that, I mean, Toronto is in third in the league. Tampa's in sixth, but with games in hand. Yeah. You could have the third and fifth best team playing in the first yeah, round of the playoffs. It's just dumb. You know, it, it, I, I, you and I were discussing this in the break. I'm going to say something nice about the Leafs. They're getting, they have been continually screwed by this playoff format. Yep. If there is one team more than anybody else in the entire National Hockey League that has a bone to pick with this whole we can't get past the first round, <laughs> it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. This playoff format is screwing Toronto. Well, if the playoffs started today, let me give you something that if you like laughing at Leafs fans... Even though you feel bad for them, you still want to do it? Yeah. Seattle's got a really good look at getting out of the first round. Which, by the way, I'm good with laughing at Leafs fans. Sure, sure. Getting so the Seattle. Leafs, the Leafs, as the three overall, would play Tampa as the six overall. Seattle is eighth, and they would play the 12. If Toronto was in the Metropolitan, 
at some point, they would have gotten past the first round. Yes. They're stuck in the division with Tampa, Boston, and now even Florida. Well, last season, Florida. You know, it's really going to be bad for them when they're stuck in the division with the Sabres. Yeah, well, yeah. Three years from now. Right. Like, of course, that the year they put, was it the pandemic year? There was a game, there was a series with like Columbus or Montreal, somebody. They haven't just played Tampa and Boston. No, that's year. right. They lost to Montreal that year. And they lost to Washington years ago. But I'm just saying they're, they're getting screwed. They, they are getting screwed because they are playing higher seeded teams than they should be playing in the first round based on their record. But that's, well, but the fans love it. So what do I know? 803 0550 to join us, WGR. So, happy sunrise. Pat Hammer pointed out, first time in two and a half weeks, we saw the sunrise today. It is a bluebird day out there. Bluebird day? Bluebird. It's called the bluebird day. Because the sun's out? Yeah. That's what is a, a bluebird day is when the sun comes out? Uh, or in, just a nice day in general is referred to as a bluebird day? In the winter. Ah. Sunny, cloudless, bluebird day. All right. Well, it's one of those days. It is not. I'm telling you, it's... It's nice to look out our big windows here in the studio and see sun shining off 500 corporate. Well, that would be 300 corporate Parkway. Uh, 803-0550 to join us. Let us get connected with our fans. Sean in Amherst, you're on WGR. Go right ahead. Good morning, guys. Uh, enjoy your show. Um, listen to it every morning. Um, I'm just going to make this quick. I have a couple of things you guys were talking about, the officiating earlier. Um, I think the league has an over-officiating problem uh, more so than needing to add new rules uh, and implementing that. Because uh, it's always been around. If you're the losing side, you're always going to complain that the officiating was bad. Uh, it's just part of the game, uh, honestly. Because a few years back, we had the catch rule thing, and we still don't know what a catch is at times. Um, and then the Devontae Smith on the sideline thing, like I, I think that's part of the game. It's, uh, it's the strategy and game theory aspect of it, which I know you guys enjoy talking about um uh, we've seen it countless times where you know uh, the offense is hurrying up to snap the ball and that's part of the game um it's just good decision making so i should i think we should praise that more when teams can exploit certain edges in the game because this game it's very close so if good teams and smart coaches can come up ways to find those advantages i think it's always a good thing and we should appreciate that um, and, I'm going uh, to give you, uh, Sean, Sean, I'm going to give you the, the counter to this a little bit because the point, if you missed our conversation earlier, it was about the eye in the sky judge and how it is not necessarily, whether it's transparency or it's consistency. And a good example is there's a play in the Chiefs Bengals game where Mahomes was tackled for a sack and his knee hit the ground, right? Knee hits the ground. Yep. It turns out, oh, actually, he was sacked on the play. When the eye in the sky judge comes in and makes that determination, they save the Bengals a challenge. And that, in a way, undermines the integrity of the challenge system. In a, in the a same game where Andy Reid lost his challenges because he used them, uh, used them, they were saved a timeout. I mean, he would not have lost the challenge, Zach Taylor, but you have a system where you get two, and if he used one, he'd be down to his last challenge if he gets that other one wrong. The eye in the sky system makes it so the, the challenge system itself is now 
unequal. That's the problem I would have, Sean. I know you said strategy and beat the system, and the Eagles did. They're not the only team. Everybody does this. Run up to the run up to the line, snap the ball. The problem is you have put a system in place because humans officiate this sport and can have errors. You have put some kind of system in place to correct, when possible, errors in your game. You're now, the system is essentially wiped out. It is negated. You can't even use that mechanism because we're running to the line. You don't have time to look at the replay. So you can't even use the system to correct it because the team's found a flaw. Well, that, that's what I was speaking to earlier as far as over-officiating. Now, the eye in the sky, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. The way you put it, it, it doesn't seem like it, it does undermine the challenges. I do like the challenge system because, again, the game theory aspect of it. Going back to Devontae Smith's uh, catch, they hurried up and clocked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that, from that perspective, Nick Sirianni forces Kyle Shannon to either call a timeout or challenge it. And by challenging, you're saying that you're smarter than the official. You saw something that they didn't. But you don't, have time, you but you don't, right. have, but you don't have time to see something. That's the thing. Like the, the the Niners didn't have time to see it. Kyle Shanahan, I have quotes from it, him here saying basically right, but like that, that, that. That's what I'm saying. Like Nick Sirianni, Devontae, the Eagles had good situational awareness to do that. Right. So, the question, but you're penalizing Sean, San Francisco. It's not even that, Sean. What, what, I understand you're, you're not you're not wrong. I don't even really disagree here. But the question is, as the league, what do you want? Do you want to get it right? You know, this is a phrase we hear a lot. Like it's important to get it right. The eye in the sky. The new Sky Judge exists to get things right. It's not even about challenges. It feels like the challenge system is only here now in close calls to give coaches the illusion that they still have a say in some of this stuff. But the eye in the sky is doing most of the calls, and anyone that's an easy challenge is just, boom, taken care of, saving that team a challenge, which, again, in the case of the Chiefs, when you win one and lose one, you're out. You don't get any more back. You have to win two to get a third. And, by the way, if you were to win three, you don't get a fourth. Like The challenge system is... I, 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 get, the, I get the point you're saying about the challenge being an illusion because why, do, why don't they have uh, challenges in the last two minutes of uh, right. you know, the half? It's because the officials want to be in charge of it. Um, all right. I, 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 I gotta, we got a break, Sean. I, I, I apologize. We're really yeah, no, super I think late. You, I think you bring yeah, up no, good thank, points. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, yeah you, thank you, you for listening. You bring points. up fine points. Yeah. I guess what we're kind of getting at is, what does the league want out of this system? Right. How does, does the league think this is a problem? And do they think they need to correct it? If so, how do they correct it? And what do they talk about in March at the meetings? Competition and what, committee, what to do? all this stuff. All right, 803-0550 to join us this morning. Hey, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins and their offseason plan going forward. They made big news with the apparent hire of a new defensive coordinator. That's coming up in a moment on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.